Welcome back to QG Connect. This is an interview series where we in interview industry leaders around their perspectives around data governance. And as usual, I'm your host, uh, Bharat Chari. And I'm especially excited to welcome our guest today. And she has extensive background in the data governance arena. She also has a very unique uh, professional background. And uh, I think we're going to have a great conversation around data readiness, data literacy, and, and other topics. And so without uh, any further ado, I'd like to welcome Alexis Command. Alexis, could you please uh, maybe introduce yourself and what your current role is? Yes, thank you. Thank you for letting me be here and, and chat with everyone. Um, yeah, so I am with Fitch Group, which um, is a let's, subsidiary of Hearst Communications. And Fitch Group uh, specializes in credit ratings for organizations across the globe. And they, uh, they specialize in providing credit ratings as well as providing products around financial information that potential uh, investors or um, different types of those who are interested in finance information would be um, would, would learn more about. So um, I am our data governance strategy leader and also our what we've defined as our product owner for our data governance tool um, and and leading the way in that space across the Fitch group, the enterprise. That's awesome. Glad to hear that. I think we'll definitely be delving a little bit deeper into some of those areas that you're currently uh, leading, Alexis, at Fitch Group. But before we get there, this is a question I'm asking other leaders who we're interviewing as well, uh, just to make maybe our listeners understand a little bit more about yourself. So maybe on a personal note, I was wondering whether you could uh, tell us about your hobbies, what you like uh, to do in your off time when you're not wearing your hat of uh, a data uh, governance uh, strategy lead at Pitch Group. Yeah, I'm, I'm also a mom. Uh, I mean, I'm working full time and um, leading a lot of our initiatives around data governance, but I also in my off time or my balanced time, I am a mom of a two-year-old boy and a six and a half-year-old girl and a wife of a US Army reservist. So I spend quite a bit of time with my family. Um, we enjoy our evening walks together. And then in spare time on the weekends, I really just enjoy being outside when possible. I live in Denver. So it's most of the time it's beautiful outside and we love going hiking and walking and we've got dogs. So um, we just, love being in, in the natural ways and resources that Denver allows us. Um, so that's what I, I mostly do on my spare time, of course, and, and you know, data governance itself. That's, that's excellent. I mean, I, I loved uh, my experience in Denver the last couple of times I visited. I feel like uh, ambience-wise, uh, like the culture-wise, it's very similar to Austin in a mm. lot of ways where, uh, where I'm currently based. So, uh, so no, thank you for sharing that. Back. Of course, if you like craft breweries, this is the place to be. Yeah, yeah uh -huh. you know, I completely know where you're coming from because I, I, I sampled a few myself when I was there last time. So uh, no, that's definitely uh, something our listeners also need to be aware of. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, it's a great place to, to come and check out, especially if you like to be outdoors or like to ski. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful city to be in. Um, and a really great city to raise kids. So that's why we picked Denver. Excellent, Alexis. Thank you yeah. for that. Uh, I was wondering whether maybe if you uh, take yourself back 
to the beginning of your career, uh, I was wondering whether you could tell us about the reasons why you decided to get into data governance, data management, the, the entire sort of data space in the first place. Yeah, I mean, right before I got into data management, I was actually a senior intelligence analyst with the United States Army. Um, and I worked within the um, in Germany for a number of years. I reported to the commanding uh, general and staff, and I reported on key topics that I can't really specify during this interview um, around Western Europe and sort of the operational and tactical um, uh, military operations that were occurring during that time, that period of time. So most often intelligence analysts will compile multiple sources of information and present that information reports to the commanding staff in general. And most often it's an actual a presentation, uh, either through video or in front of. And then there's sort of a Q&A session with commanding staff in general if they want to know more information than what was presented in the report. So the analyst is sort of the subject matter expert within their particular, let's say, region or subject area. Um, and so that's what I did for a number of years. Um, it was exciting, um, other than the intelligence work itself, being a soldier, right? So I took on all of the soldier duties and I know how to shoot a weapon and I know how to go on long hikes and ruck marches is what they call it. And, you know, being physically fit and, so I did a lot of that. It was a really great experience. Um, you are travel all over the world. You travel all over the United States. So you get that experience as well. Um, it leaned into when I got out of the military, it leaned into data management and in that I um, interviewed for a company who did manufacturing and they had a sort of supply chain and they used it. What's the, they call SAP or SAP um, ERP system. And they needed somebody to manage it. And so when I interviewed with the manager, he said, you are so detail oriented that I think you would be perfect for this position because you work with information already, right? So it's sort of, you know, data grouped together is information. And so that's how he, you know, he explained things to me and, you know, interacting with the system is only going to give you that functionality. It's the how you derive the information from the data systems and actually inputting the data incorrectly and managing correctly is where you're going to get that information and those insights from. So I loved it. Um, it was very much a play on what I did with Intel work, um, just more in a more granular space. And then that just expanded. It expanded into managing data for an ERP system to managing data for master data at a, a global uh, gold mining company. Um, and then it went into managing, you know, within a financial services and informations company with SAP or S&P, excuse me, um, and managing, you know, the program around data governance. And then now leading strategy conversations around data governance with Fitch Group. That's such a unique background. And first of all, I wanted to say thank you for your service, Alexis. Thank you for the support. For our, uh, I mean, personnel from the armed forces. So yeah, thank you very much for your service. And I feel like that uh, <clears throat> background you mentioned you come from, uh, that must have given you a lot of unique uh, perspectives around these programs that you launched, uh, not just to the Fitch Group that I mean, you're currently in the middle of, but also the previous organizations you mentioned. So I was curious, I mean, 
uh, what skills would you say from your experience in the armed forces, in the intelligence space, has really helped you on a professional level? Sure. Yes. Um, I think the the ability to present into it in front of larger groups of individuals and and, and teams. Um, presenting and uh, conveying the importance around a topic, right? So data governance is very much embedded in the adoption and engagement of how to properly manage data. Um, so I learned that quite a bit. Um, you know, I had a little bit of background also in sort of theater and arts when I was young, and that really helped with my presentation. So I just kept building upon that. Um, and the ability to speak in front of large audiences was something that I learned very much from the military, but also in the theater and the arts background. Um, so yeah, I think that was most of it. Um, and also presentations on PowerPoints, what to do and best practices around that. I learned that in my training uh, and working with people from different backgrounds. So I was working with individuals from all over the United States, you know, on my team. And then, of course, I worked with people from Europe and different backgrounds there. So that just really helped me expand those relationships and understanding people. And that really was extremely helpful, especially in data governance, when you have to engage different types of folks and understand where they're coming from and their perspective and understanding their use cases. So that's, that's where I think that the, that training really assisted me. Yeah, I feel like those skills that you mentioned, being, being able to present effectively, communicate uh, effectively, and building those relationships, I think both those skills are pretty underrated in my opinion, because I feel like it's something that every leader, every uh, practitioner uh, needs to have. But I feel like a lot of times that's, uh, it's not talked about as much. So thank you for kind of shedding a light on some of those skills that, uh, that have really helped you in your current role. Uh, I was wondering, I mean, the other question that you're asking a lot of leaders as part of this interview series is how they would define data governance. So I was wondering whether you could share your thoughts there. Yeah, it's going to be different from each data governance leader and whoever works in data governance from the perspective of the business. Um, I would say it's the, um, it's the application of guardrails or standards in how we should properly manage data. So, um, and, and from my perspective of data governance, it's really the application, the putting into practice these principles and standards around how data should be properly managed across an organization. Um, because many folks from the business side has come to me and said, it's wonderful that you're here, data governance is here but it's all hypothetical until I see it into practice, right? So to me, it's the actual application of putting those guardrails around how we should properly manage data. And it's working very closely with the business and understanding their specific issues and use cases um, to truly define what our vision of data governance is for that particular business. So it really depends on the business, but from my perspective, it's just that clear statement. Yeah, I think the point you mentioned around tying, let's say, uh, uh, data governance to those business outcomes, that's a point that really resonates with me because that's very 
that's a point that have a lot of other leaders again have raised as part of this interview series because up until maybe a few years ago uh, I, I, you might agree with this data governance was probably seen as more of a nice to have maybe mm -hmm. not necessarily tied to the top line or the bottom line but that has quickly changing and evolving uh, especially in the last couple of years so so i love your points around uh, maybe maybe building this relationship with business and maybe tying it to more of those business outcomes yeah business objectives so what are they trying to accomplish around improving data quality for instance um, they know that there are known data quality issues um, around the data so how do you provide guidance and standards around how data should be properly managed in that respect of the data quality and embedding data quality processes and controls but it's to the point of where they can understand it that it's a, a a particular activity that's going to be embedded in their business process and in their process around managing that data within that system or with that within across systems or that interoperability right so um it's actually putting it into a practical sense in specific use cases so that they can understand it how it will actually line up to their objectives yeah i feel like that aspect of operationalizing it uh, lets them own, like in terms of uh, the data quality for the data sources that they manage, ultimately so that they can influence, uh, again, going back to your earlier point around business outcomes, uh, they can sort of own that end to end. So I really- Correct. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it goes into the, uh, it's leaning in a little bit to making sure that the organization is ready for those data conversations to be had. <laughs> Um, in which I talked about in the, the blog around really data valuation and literacy is that we can't say that this is our data strategy and start engaging with the business unless they truly understand what do we mean by data? Um, what do we mean by the particular information that we store within our systems and start defining and understanding that um, so that we can have that healthy and transparent conversation around those issues and how we can practically put into place activities operationally to improve them. But it all starts with that open conversation and literacy around data, um, not just data governance topics, but also, you know, um, en enablement opportunities, you know, using machine learning to automate um, and, and, and the sort of like chief data office, similar topics, right? Um, so it's really an important thing that if you are going to um, implement a data governance program, not a project, a program, then you need to really have a, um, a line there that says, we're going to train, we're going to engage. This is a part of our adoption plan and you're gonna provide necessary information to business and technology, because sometimes technology doesn't quite understand what we mean by data governance, right? And you provide those opportunities and engage those, those key people into learning more so that they can actually apply that and put that into practice into their systems, into their data sets, um, into their business processes, et cetera. Yeah, I'd love to maybe uh, uh, dig a little bit deeper into that, Alexis, but before we do that, I was wondering whether you could take a step back and maybe from your perspective, understand what some of the drivers for mm -hmm. a data quality, for data management, for data governance, specifically within the FinServe space 
has been maybe over the last, let's say, five years? Well, I think that this isn't um, a surprise for many people. It would be the compliance aspect of it. So you have certain regulatory obligations from um, from regulators that want you to um, manage and secure data in a certain way, and there's certain rules that have to be applied to data. So that is certainly a reason why you would have data governance. Um, and that's a, one of the key drivers, and I think that will ever change, seeing as how um, CCPA and GDPR has has grown, and we may even have, you know, like CCPA, we may have very specific um, regulations around data privacy specific to states, right, within the United States that just keeps expanding. So that will never go away, the key driver around being compliant around how we handle and manage our data. Um, and so that's one, of course, data quality and relating data quality in the fact that um, it's making, you can make key decisions around your business objectives, strategic decisions for two, three, four years from now for your organization or your business function, et cetera. But you can't make those types of decisions unless you have the most accurate and insightful information at uh, in your hands available to you. And so that's where data quality would be a key driver for many organizations so that they can have the most accurate information so that they can make key decisions as well as to um, press the importance around reputation. So um, if they are, if you're providing the data, you know, I'm giving it to on a report to a customer or on a product that you're delivering, you wanna make sure that it is fit for purpose and trustworthy, or that could potentially impact your reputation. If a client states, well, this data that I just received is inaccurate. Um, it's not showing the most relevant information that you know was two months ago. I want the most relevant information from a day ago. So um, that's that's one of the other areas of um, of key drivers. I mean, I was also wondering whether, uh, like some of the earlier points you mentioned around building, let's say, a data literacy program, that enablement, that education, uh, when it comes to what does data quality really mean. I was wondering whether you could share your thoughts there, and maybe maybe you could start by uh, understanding your perspective around what some of those, let's say, guided steps would be to build, let's say, a successful data literacy uh, practice. Yeah, I mean, the first thing when you go into an organization is understand where they are, their current state. So it's always a, a good best practice to do an assessment. Um, you don't have to do a blown out assessment of all business lines and et cetera, you can start at a granular level within a particular function. Um, and so you would just assess the, the maturity state of the knowledge and understanding of data um, within that, let's say function or, or line of business, or even if you wanna do it enterprise, it's really up to you. Um, so assessing the, the current state is also, is very important. Um, then you can decide and uh, understand where they, let's say, their maturity level is with around knowledge and understanding of data governance or data management or data quality practices. And if, let's say, it's very initial maturity, then you know where you have to grow in that particular space. 
So let's say data quality, for instance, it's a topic that lots of people talk about. They don't know how to put it into place. Um, they don't know data quality dimensions, data quality terminology, qual you know, validations, verifications, processes, controls, et cetera. So um, if you have an assessment current state, you know where you need to start as far as maturity is concerned and how you can gradually grow over time. So you don't want to throw terminology at um, folks who won't grasp it, right? So you just have to grow that plan around data literacy, depending upon what your current state is. Um, so some practical ways of doing so is having workshops, um, having office hours. I've just started office hours at Fitch Group, um, where key stakeholders, owners, stewards, those who are interested in data governance can actually come, you know, 30 minutes a week and just propose a question. And I sit there and I answer them. Or I bright I bring people who I know that maybe can answer better than I can. Um, so that's just one way of introducing more data literacy um, options to uh, stakeholders and, and those that work within a business. You can have workshops on particular topics. So an introduction to data governance, an introduction to data quality, all more at a high level. And then you can start growing those workshops to be very specific by data quality dimensions, focusing on accuracy. So then you get into the weeds of things. So providing that opportunity as well. Um, now, depending upon the organization, there's usually like learning portals and things like that where people can go and they can do videos or they can access videos of information. I would recommend that for larger groups of people, especially if there's only one of you and you're having all of these workshops um, or you can just video everything, put it in the portal. It's accessible to um, team members. So that I think is um, definitely a good step in the, the right direction. And then measuring and monitoring against the data literacy, making sure that people are actually engaged and they're asking questions and they're participating um, and figuring out how can you um, make this a success for everyone? Can you put it a part of their professional development objectives? So um, that's, that's how I would, I would start. That's such a great tip, if I can be honest, because I feel like uh, workshops and setting up those office hours, uh, I think it does one of uh, two things. Uh, it really helps you build those relationships, making yourself be available, like you said, but at the same time, it enables people to ask any questions, no matter how uh, complex or how basic it might be. Uh, so I think uh, I really love those, uh, those actionable ways in which you can, uh, even with a small team, make sure that the, the broader organization uh, starts to become enabled, starts to become educated about some of those, uh, uh, some of those uh, terms that you mentioned mm -hmm. around data quality, around data, uh, data governance and so on. And uh, I was also curious, Alexis, in terms of building that kind of practice, uh, what are the ways apart from the ways you just mentioned, uh, would you go around getting, let's say, buy-in either from the executive team or from uh, colleagues across various parts of the business. Yeah, I think that executive leadership need to be extremely supportive of initiative around data governance or even, you know, data management. 
Um, if you can't get that buy-in, then, you know, their leadership team, as well as the managers and those who are working, let's say, in operations, won't understand the importance of it. So it's, I think from an executive leadership perspective, it needs to be expressed that this is what we want to achieve. And it could just be, we want, data is seen as a strategic asset within our organization, and it needs to be managed appropriately. And it needs to come from that actual vision statement needs to come from, I would be very honest with you, the president of, right? So it needs to come from wherever the chief, um, let's say the data governance program sits in, it needs to come from the, that, let's say president of that particular area. Yeah. And I, I would like to stress that not only that, that um, statement around data being a strategic asset, but also the interaction from the, let's say, the executives being a part of an executive council of some sort or a steering committee that can provide guidance as to strategic initiatives and provide their blessing that they will give as much support and resources around those initiatives. So um, I've been a part of a number of data governance initiatives that were not supported by executives and so many of the hours and work that we put around it were not, let's say, um, suggested to participate in from, let's say, managers or operational team members. So I think it's, I stress the importance of executive leadership and, and participating and, and being a part of that mission. That's a, that's a great, another great tip. I think, yeah, unless you get that top-down buy-in, uh, leadership buy-in, like you said, uh, that coupled with the uh, building those relationships as part of these workshops, as part of these office hours, I think that gets you both the top down and the bottoms up buy-in from other parts of the business. And uh, I was also curious, Alexis, in the case of Fitch Group and the efforts you're leading there right now, uh, how would you say success looks like from your perspective or from the organization's perspective? I, I, um, so we just got back from strategy planning sessions in New York with the leadership team. Um, and we did, we planned out what does success look like for our first year? What does success like look like for next year and the third year? Really focusing on our key initiatives that we want to accomplish. Of course, implementing our data governance program, you know, getting that sort of um, foundational work completed this year. Uh, including the tool itself. So uh, as well as the master data space, really getting that foundational work accomplished. Sorry, my son just walked in again. <laughs> um, so getting the, that foundational work accomplished around master data uh, is for the first year. And then um, really embedding the tool to support that functionality is, is extremely important. Um, and then one of the other things around our initiatives that we wanted to focus on is the availability and reusability of data. So that being in sort of a data platform that's accessible by our end users, our analysts that use da data day in and day out to create their reports, their credit ratings, their products, et cetera. 
um, and having that data, uh, different types of data from different sources available in one repository where they can start actually using that data in different ways to create more products. So um, from the data platform perspective, it of course being, let's say, integrated with our master data and our data governance tool um, will provide larger visibility of the data sets for the larger groups of individuals who want to use that data. Um, that's what success looks like, is making that data available, reusable, governed appropriately and understood, as well as reduce any sort of silo or duplications of data with the, our master data tool itself and our master data standards. Yeah, I, I really love that point because I feel like there's a lot of value maybe in the data that's uh, owned, let's say, by each uh, organization within the or within each department within the organization. But as you start breaking down those silos, democratizing democratizing that data, I feel like the network effects of having that data or having access to it, I feel uh, really goes up exponentially. So, uh, so, so that that's a, that's a, another great point. Absolutely, I, and it it leans into the data literacy piece of it is that now that you can understand the data, you can go to your data governance tool and sort of search a term or a data set name or a table name. And you can find out all of the information that you need around that, as well as you understand what is considered to be master data. Um, and then you can see where it is available if you can you know, if you can access it within the data platform or what other systems you can go to. So that also leans into the data literacy for people to truly understand the data that lives within the organization. Yeah, I think there's a lot of gems that you, uh, that we covered, uh, Alexis, during our conversation, all the way from how do you go about evaluating where the organization is? How do you go about building a successful data literacy uh, practice to the point where you measure success figure out what success looks like. So I feel like you you threw out a lot of gems there that I'm sure our listeners are gonna get a lot out of. And that actually takes me to the last question I had Alexis in terms of advice, let's say, that you'd like to give to someone who's in a similar position, uh, maybe who's trying to get a successful uh, data governance, uh, like you said, a program, not a, uh, it's not a one-time thing off of the ground. So I was wondering yeah. whether you could share your thoughts. There. Well, I would say that what's helped me along the way is to be extremely patient. So um, when I go into conversations as what we're having now, I'm just a very calm person and I try to be very patient and to listen. Um, I think it's hard when you have your own agenda and your own thing that you want to um, incite upon others. But I think it's really important as you work with the business and understand their their issues, you really listen and, and say, okay, well, I hear what you're saying. This is how I would do X, Y, and Z to help you, right? So data governance is, yes, it's an authoritative way of enforcing policies and standards, right? If we were to use those terms, but I think that the more practical approach with anybody is for them to trust you. And if you can have that open conversation and engagement with people and being very patient and listen, that's really gonna help your success and grow your data governance program. It's because people don't want to trust right off the bat. They're very hesitant, which is normal. That's a normal behavior. Um, but you need to start building that trust so that they understand that I'm not just spouting 
hypothetical theories around data governance. We're actually going to do this side by side, and I'm going to hold your hand through this process. And we're going to get through it until you feel comfortable, comfortable enough to do it. So that's from my perspective of being extremely patient, listening, and saying that you're not alone in this, and we're going to do it together. And if you ever have an interest, open up those doors to say, I'm here if you need me to ask questions or concerns, et cetera. So um, for those that are at the beginning of the journey of data governance, um, be very patient and you won't know everything. And the best way for you to apply data governance is get in there and start listening and understanding those use cases and those issues and saying, how would I apply data governance best practices here? and do it very at a very granular level operationally and then it'll start expanding and you'll get the grasp of it and then you'll start building a program around it measuring and monitoring your kpis and your kris and and actually having very specific actions to go upon um so that's from my perspective yeah, yeah i think that's a lot of actionable information uh, that you had just shared which i think would help anyone who's trying to get uh, a similar practice off of the ground and on that note, I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to the blog you had already, we've already uh, published on uh, our website, dataqg.com. So for everyone who's listening, uh, Alexis has a great blog around key drivers for data governance initiatives that I highly recommend you check out, which covers some of the points that she had uh, mentioned during the conversation today, as well as another blog around data readiness that, mm -hmm. I, that I also highly recommend. And uh, on a personal note, Alexis, I just wanted to Thank you for being such a strong supporter of DataQG, of really uh, getting our uh, the word out there about what we do. So I, I wanted to say thank thanks a lot for your uh, support so far. And looking of course, to thank you for letting me be here um, and reaching out and um, listening to what I have to say. Um, so yeah, I mean, if anybody ever has any questions, you know, use the community boards. Reach out to me. Um, and I can definitely sit down and we can talk about other things as well. I, I love talking about data. I'm a big nerd. Um, it's, it's what I'm passionate about. So I really appreciate your time as well and being here. Um, so thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Alexis. And looking forward to continuing our collaboration together. Absolutely. <laughs>